The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. And this week, like every week, we're putting together the best information and inspiration to help you start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today, we're going to talk about something that you normally only get to hear in like mastermind meetings that you pay $25,000 for. And then, you know, after a while, you really start getting to the truth with successful real estate investors about what their path really looked like. And we're going to talk today about how to overcome massive failure. Y'all would be amazed at the number of well-known real estate investors and real estate gurus who at some point in their lives have declared bankruptcy or have uh, gotten themselves years behind with the IRS and taken a decade and they have to dig themselves back out of that. And, you know, folks don't say that in RIA meetings and they don't say it from the front of the room and they don't say it in in daily conversation, but it's a thing. It's a thing that a lot of successful people have gone through, and it's a thing that if you look at it right and treat it right, failures big and small are actually just building blocks for bigger success. Here today to tell his story and help us understand how to overcome big and small failures is Tom Berry from Investors Alone Source. Tom lives down in the Houston area and has a story to tell about uh, how he became a, by I think by my measure and anybody else's measure, very successful real estate, real estate entrepreneur, starting with a, starting in a position that is probably worse than whatever your position is right now, listeners, however bad you think it is, it's probably not this bad. So Tom, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you for having me, Fina. Thank you very much. Uh, thrilled, thrilled that you agreed to come here and talk about this because it's it's so important, you know, in 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 our real estate world that we live in with associations and whatnot. A lot of people just tend to hide this kind of stuff and pretend it was all beer and skittles from day one, and I'm successful because I I'm awesome. <laughs> not because not because not because I went to the school of hard knocks, which is the truth for most of us. So let's let's stop teasing these folks and tell them what happened to you from 2000 to 2010. 
Right. So I actually lived in Ohio at the time. You know, my wife and I were both born and raised in Ohio. And um, we, you know, we built a very successful financial services firm uh, in a little town called New Philadelphia, uh, right off of I-77. And, um, you know, we were doing very well, um, you know, for standards in Tuscarawas County, Ohio. Uh, we were in the top 2% of income earners in the county. And, um, you know, we were just living a great life. And we said to ourselves, you know, if we went to someplace bigger, if we went to a bigger market, man, we could really tear it up, you know, because we had kind of peaked out there. It's a smaller area. And um, so we moved to Houston. 2006. And um, by 2007, you know, what was happening in the financial markets, um, about a third of our income at the time was coming from mortgages, uh, another third from stock market investments, mutual funds and annuities. And the other third was coming from life insurances and uh, property and casualty insurances and so forth. And so in about a 90-day period, I would say two-thirds of our income dried up in 90 days. Hmm. Um, so we went from living very well. And, you know, we're, 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 not, we're not fancy. You know, we weren't overspending. We weren't driving, you know, expensive cars or anything like that. But I think regardless of how frugal you are and how much of a saver you are, um, when your income drops by two-thirds, it's 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 a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think if I look back at what I did wrong during that time frame, the biggest thing was I held on too long. Um, as an entrepreneur, we are most generally the most optimistic of people. Um, and I think we have to be to do what we do as entrepreneurs. And Sometimes that bites us and it bit me because I hung on way too long and I kept feeding my business out of my savings, thinking, man, if I could just hang on one more month and then the next month it'd be, well, you know, that one was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And man, if I could just hold on one more month <laughs> and I kept feeding this alligator um, my savings and, you know, over a short period of time. Uh, that was depleted and then I had no options. So mm -hmm. yeah, that mm -hmm. was uh, late 2007. Mm -hmm. Now, when we come back from the break, I want to, I want to explore the story a little bit more, but the important thing here that we're trying to convey to listeners is that you came back from that and within six years owned 400 units, despite having no money and no credit, uh, so for the moment though, we need to take a quick break. You're listening to real life, real estate investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to real life, real estate investing. I am your host, Vina Jones Cox. My guest today is Tom Barry from investors loan source. And we're talking about how to like mentally, physically, financially recover from, enormous financial failure. And before the break, Tom was telling us about how he made a big move that was supposed to be a big positive for, for his family uh, to a bigger market so that his financial services company could do even better than it had been in the small market it was in. And he did that at possibly exactly the wrong moment in U.S. history. <laughs> so, uh, 
Um, Tom, this was a this was a situation where you didn't do this. Like like no financial services company <laughs> made it through that period unscathed. Some of the biggest ones in the country went bankrupt or went into receivership with the government. I mean, this this was not, oh, Tom messed up. This was the whole world economy messed up. So from that perspective, I can see that there was probably some relief there, right? Because I talked to real estate investors that the, the reason they're destitute is because they made some giant error in a right. building they purchased. And that, that's not what happened with you. You know, I, I, looking back, I see it the way you've described it. But at the time, I did not. Uh, at the time, it was it, it was something that I, I felt I did wrong because, um, you know, I should have saw it coming or whatever. I, I think again, you know, going back to, you know, the the makeup of the entrepreneur, um, we're very responsible, and when we screw up, we have to take responsibility for it. So I never really looked at it as well. I couldn't have done anything different. I looked at it as I screwed up, but at the same time, okay, it's bad, it's horrible. Now, how am I going to come back from that? Because my goals haven't changed. My goal was always to be financially independent, and I thought I was going to get that through that company. Um, but when I lost that, the goal hadn't changed. So it was, okay, how am I going to become financially independent? I know it's not that way. Um, so let me look around and see what else I can do. And I'll tell you, I and everyone else who was in real estate uh, during that period of time really resonate with that idea of both um, if I can hang on for another month, things will get better. And also with the idea of, look, I'm smart. I've been in business a long time. Nobody understands my business better than I do. I'm just not something. I'm just not working hard enough. I'm just not thinking about this right. That that whole sense of, yeah, I, I, I'm not blind. I read the newspaper. I see that all businesses are going through this, but somehow I should be different and almost right. over overtaking on the responsibility. And and, and it, if you remember, I'm sure you remember, other people don't remember living through that time and how even even as you were thinking, well, this thing here seems like it would be a good strategy. It was still just frightening. It was, it was just frightening yeah. time to live in. Uh, I remember looking at properties that had sold for, you know, I'm in Cincinnati, so a cheap market, but properties that sold for $90,000 two years earlier and had been fully rehabbed going back on the market for 25. Yeah. And one part of me is thinking, well, that's a no brainer. I mean, even though rents are down to 650 at 25,000, all the rehabs only two years old, it, it works, but Another part of my brain going, but we don't know where the market's going to bottom out. We don't know where the rents are going to bottom out. It, it could turn out right. to be a bad investment. So there, there's all that stuff that goes on in the entrepreneur's head, along with the probably overconfidence about how I can overcome a world economic crash in my own business. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, the timing, as you rightly pointed out before the break, uh, was horrible for us to move our financial services firm to a new uh, a new market. But then and in mid-2007, what I decided to get into next 
was real estate, right? So two horrible timing issues, right? <laughs> Moving my financial services firm in 06 and then wanting to jump into real estate investing in 07 and mid 07. So mm -hmm. um, that was what we decided to do uh, or I decided to do. And my wife, who is the most supportive partner a human being could ever have, um, and never once blamed me for what we were going through, never once looked at me and said, how could you have gotten us into this situation? Um, and by the way, I attribute that partnership greatly to us quickly moving through it and getting on to our next, right? Um, but our next was, hey, I'm going to be a real estate investor. And she's, you know, her first comment is, with what? What are, what are we going to buy real estate with? Your good looks? And I don't like, no, that's not going to get us very far. But, I, you know, I was online. And I read some stuff on this blog that said that you don't need money or credit. So we qualify, you know, we're, we're good to go. And of course that went over like a lead balloon. And, um, but I found a guy, he was a wholesaler and he was looking, he was on this blog looking for a bird dog and I'm a hunter. I've been a hunter all my life. I understand what a bird dog does. I hunt over him twice a year. And, uh, I say, you know, I can go out there and beat the bushes and I can find whatever it is you're wanting me to find and bring it into you. Um, but you're going to have to process it. You're going to have to do it because I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, that's fine. He said, I just need somebody with a work ethic. Now, this guy's 28 years old and at the time, almost a millionaire himself. And he was wholesaling like crazy during the downturn because what he taught me was, it doesn't matter whether it's an up market or a down market for a wholesaler. You just do it. You just adjust your maximum allowable offer. You know, instead of paying 70% minus repairs, you pay 60 or 50 or whatever the market bears. So he's like, we don't have any risk. You go slay them. You bring them in. I'll sell them. And that's what we did for the next five months. Mm -hmm. And I made an incredible amount of money just using nothing but my work ethic. And listening to the guy. Well, your 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 work ethic and his expertise and experience. That's yes, yeah, that's absolutely. A, that's a that's absolutely. a key. That's a key thing that we try to teach. Is if you don't know what to do, go hook yourself up with somebody who does know what to do, and don't worry about exactly. it. They're making most of the money because you're getting something that it it you almost you almost can't just buy it with money, and that is practical day-to-day -day, real deal experience yes yeah so after five months of working with him um i said you know what i can do this on my own and january 1st 2008 my wife and i set up our first company um and we started wholesaling. And by the way, Dwayne and I are still good friends to this day. Um, <laughs> he, he knew, he, he's like, look, I knew you were going to be on your own shortly, but I also knew we'd make a little bit of money together while you were with me. And, and he had, he had no uh, hard feelings over it, but we started our own little wholesaling deal. And, uh, I, you know, what I noticed was when these guys were buying these houses from me or buying these contracts from me, they weren't using their own money and you know, they were using private money. And I thought, well, hell I could do that too. Right. What, what, why can't I do that? Um, so that kind of opened up another door for me. And so I started 
keeping one, selling two, keeping one, selling two. And it started keeping two, selling one, keeping two, selling one. Then it got to five to one. And we got to a point where we were keeping everything. And that, that was really, um, that was really an eye opener for me. Understanding I didn't have to have money to even buy houses. I knew I didn't have to have money to wholesale, but I did not know when I got into real estate that I didn't need to have money to buy houses, at least not my own. That was a good realization for you. It's a good realization for a lot of people when they, when it suddenly dawns on them that everything they know about buying houses is not actually fully true. So um, <laughs> right. let's, let's, let's roll back uh, to your time in New Philadelphia, because it, it wasn't like wholesaling was your first excursion into what we generally would call the real estate business. You, you had done some things before, but it was all in the lines of, of, of fix and flips, right? Right, right. So yeah, when I had my financial firm in, in New Philly, um, and a friend of mine had a business also, we used to golf every, every Wednesday, we just take off and, and go golfing because you can when you're an entrepreneur. And uh, so we got this idea on the golf course that we were going to go flip houses because at the time, all these flipping shows were becoming really, really popular. And we said, man, we can do that. So <laughs> knowing absolutely nothing, armed with no education, no training, no mentors, no nothing, but we did have money at the time. Um, so we just went to the courthouse steps and we started watching uh, these houses sell on, on Thursday uh, at the sheriff's sale. And we're like, yeah, one of these days, you know, one of these days. So I'm on my way to Nashville for a convention and he calls me up on my cell phone. He's like, Hey, were you serious about flipping together? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, good. Cause we just bought the first one this morning. <laughs> He's like, it was that duplex we were looking at in Denison. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I love that building. I'm like, we own it? He's like, yeah. So that was our first fix and flip. And we did about five of them. Um, we were moderately successful on a couple of them. That, that actually, that first one was our biggest score uh, that we had. And then we lost a little bit on a couple of them. So at the end of the day, I would say we made a few bucks but uh and knew nothing about what we were doing and then we just quit doing it because to us it wasn't successful you know um we were making enough money with our businesses we're like yeah that's a lot of work we don't we don't need to do that so uh -huh, we quit uh -huh. doing it so yeah so it, it 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 it's so funny to listen to your story here because it's so reflective of how so many people go through this, right? They go, they start out with just like, oh, I watch a TV show. It looks cool. Right. It, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't even occur to them to say, I wonder if there's other people who do this that I could go meet with once a month on a Tuesday night or like, they just go for it. Right. right. And then, right. And then they, they often have the same experience you did, which is, eh, you know, it didn't, it weirdly, it didn't turn out like it does on TV. And, right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, there was a few things they left out. <laughs> and then, and then they go one of two directions. They either find their local real estate association and they, you know, over the course of time, they figure out why it's working real well for other people and only moderately well for them, or they, they don't do it anymore. Right. Just like you did. So right. when we come right. back from the break, we're going to talk about like, what were your key actions, attitudes, daily routine to 
keep this new real estate business that you started going in, again, one of the scariest, most financially uncertain times that any of us can remember. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tom Berry from Investor Loan Source. And the the fact of his company name might clue you in that he went from zero money, zero terrible credit back in 2007-ish when his financial services company failed to now he loans money to other investors. And yeah, I know it's been, you know, what, 10 well, 15 years since then, but that all happened actually relatively quickly. And we're going to, we're talking today about like, if you've had a little failure or a big failure or a failure that's completely unrelated to real estate. And now you're like, well, how can real estate help me out of this? What do I, what do I do now? Uh, This is the show for you today. Just doesn't get to talk about enough. So Tom, um, you seem like a very cheerful person. You just seem like you're probably, you have a positive attitude toward things in general, but this cannot that, have that, been, that's true. This, this cannot have been easy for you as a person who was used to quite a lot of financial success, who was used to, I can always overcome the problems. I'm smart. I'm, I'm the breadwinner, you know, all those feelings that people have. And then boom it's all gone. So did you have any particular routine secrets, tricks, things that you did to just kind of, just kind of not put, pull your head under the covers for five years and hope it all worked out? I mean, you, you, you went out and took massive action in a really hard time. Yeah. You know, I, I have always believed, and, and again, I think it's part of being an entrepreneur for 10 years prior to getting into real estate. Um, you know, I always believed that having, you know, whatever attitude you have is going to really be a big determining factor on where you end up in life. And I've always believed that an attitude, whatever one you choose, is just that. It's a choice. And it's a choice you have to make every morning. And my wife and I, you know, we are both very extremely positive people by choice. We choose to be positive. We choose to look for the good. We, we choose to look for the positives. And on those rare two or three days a year, when one of us is not being positive, um, we have an exercise that we do where we quarantine. And, you know, much like having any other infectious disease, I think negativity is just that. It is an infectious disease. And so I'll just give her a peck on the cheek and say, babe, I'm having one of those days today. See you tonight. And I will go do whatever it is I choose to do alone. I will not talk to any of my managers. I will not talk to any of my department heads. I will not talk to my wife, my children, my grandchildren until I get my mind right. Uh, and that usually can happen same day. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it, just, it's just something that I think you have to do. It sounds like you had built up already a lot of habits of thought around... Agreed around, you know, no negativity, do, you know, whatever, people have different routines about that, right? Somebody will plug in a, a YouTube video, one of the old Zig Ziglar ones, or, you know, Tony Robbins or whoever they like to pull themselves out of that sort of thing. But you, you were already, you weren't trying to establish that habit of thought in the midst of all this. You already had it. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that was, you know, 
<laughs> of paramount importance, really. Okay. So that's a, that's a, that's a tip for you listeners. If you, if you don't have that already kind of, nope, going to be positive because I get to choose because there's only me in here. Nobody else gets to choose what my attitude is like, then that might be something you want to start building now because it makes you more resilient when stuff happens. At least that's what I just heard. I don't, I don't know if that's what yeah. you meant to say, Tom, but that is what I just heard. Well, it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I, back when I did a lot of speaking and teaching at RIA groups, I, I used to do a full two days on mindset, how to build your mind to the point where you can actually be successful. Because I think mindset has so much to do with where we end up in life in so many areas, not just business. I, I think that's probably provably true. I, I really I do. Like, I, I think I, it is. <laughs> I think it is. Um, so you went into real estate, you did some wholesaling with a partner, then you did some wholesaling by yourself. Then you s- discovered that there were private lenders in the world. And then you started doing it with private lenders. And to to fast forward, what, five years, you built up a portfolio a rental portfolio. This wasn't stuff you were buying and selling. This was a rental portfolio of 400 doors. Yeah, I think we, we, we peaked out at just under, it was like 419 doors and we had accumulated all of them in four years. Yeah. From, from literal bankruptcy. From, from from a negative (laughs) $65,000 net worth to a positive $4 million net worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a lot of stuff. I mean, that, 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 that's a very short version of the story because, you know, now I want to ask you about how you managed all those rentals, how you put together the team, that, but, but that is your topic. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not going to go down that path because that is your topic at the RIA of Greater Cincinnati meeting, uh, next Thursday. And, uh, he's going to be in, Cincinnati live on Thursday and on in Columbus at Cori live on Tuesday. And that story is going to be like mechanically, how does one go from zero, from zero properties to 400 properties in four years? How do you find them? How do you finance them? How do you manage that growth? Cause that's the part that's given me a little stomach ache right now. <laughs> it's man. Oh my God. Going from thinking zero back, to four. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it still gives me a stomach ache. You know, thinking back on it, As my wife, she always says it was a blur. That's how she describes it for people now. Uh-huh. As it was a blur. You know, uh-huh. we don't know how we did. I, I mean, I will get into the mechanics, but honestly, even understanding all the mechanics and all the things that I'll share at the RIAs, um, it, that still doesn't explain it all. I, I think there may have been some divine intervention or something, but it, but it was, but it, it, but it did what we wanted it to do. It got us to the goal, which was financial independence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And folks who, folks who say, well, you know, I, it'll take me 30 years to reach financial independence because I mean, you can only really buy one house a year, right? Realistically. I mean, the bank's not going to finance. You're going to got to save up the down payment. You bypassed all of those quote rules about, you yeah. can only have, you can only have 10 loans, but Fannie Mae's rule, right? right? You bypass the, you have to put 20% down on everything. Those are the bank's rules. <laughs> those aren't the world's yeah. rules. And that was, uh, uh, the way in which, you know, a lot of, a lot of real estate associations and, and, presenters teach how to do it, but you actually just, you actually just went out and 
did that. Uh, so before I forget, uh, folks who would like to attend the in-person meeting in Columbus can do that at centralohioria.com. And, uh, so that's where you get your, that's where you get your seat. You're not, you're not going to attend online. This is an in-person meeting. And folks who want to do that in Cincinnati can do it at, uh, cincinnatiria.com. And that's, well, anybody who's listening and is going to come to Cincinnati knows how to spell Cincinnati. So I won't spell it out for you. It's cincinnatiria.com. And it's, it's a night that's entirely for people who are, uh, looking to build a rental portfolio because the early meeting is about how to successfully advertise rentals to get the best people. And then we've got Tom talking about how he went from zero to 400 units in four years. So Tom, there's something you, you, you keep saying, you only said real estate investor one time in this whole time we spent together, you keep using the word entrepreneur instead. You say real estate entrepreneur. I don't think you mm-hmm. like the term real estate investor. Why uh, is I that? don't actually glad you <laughs> caught that. I'm glad you picked up on that. No, I, you know, as I travel the country, go into the various RIA groups and, and ask people what they do, um, you know, they always say, oh, I'm an investor. I'm a real estate investor. And I just I don't like that term uh, because it is so limiting. Um so when people ask me what I do, I tell them I am a serial entrepreneur and I make most of my money in real estate related endeavors. Um, so I, yes, a little, little plug for real estate in there, but I want people to know I do more than just real estate. In fact, our latest acquisition just last month was a meat processing plant in central Texas. Um, it does have a real estate component because the real estate came with it. But that was actually the least valuable component in that business. Um, so I don't like the idea of pigeonholing yourself into, oh, I'm a real estate investor. Because here's what a real estate investor has to learn. They have to learn how to buy a, a property at a discount. If you could learn that, you could be successful as a real estate investor, Right. Um, because after that, the sky's the limit. You know, you can rent them, you can flip them, you can do whatever you want to do with them. But to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to learn a lot more, don't you? Because a successful entrepreneur has to know how to keep books, has to know how to do a P&L and a balance sheet, has to know how to, uh, you know, how to manage cash flow, has to know how to get credit or uh, money for the growth of their business. All of those things you think about. When you think about being an entrepreneur, um, has to learn how to market, how to manage people. You have to learn marketing. You have to learn, you know, how to build a team, how to scale, how to, how to systemize. Mm -hmm. And those are all things that I'm pretty good at. Um, because I've been able to scale multiple businesses over very short periods of time because I think of myself as an entrepreneur and I reach out and try to get training on being a better entrepreneur. I mastered buying a property at a discount my first year in the business. Well, <laughs> if I had stopped my education, if I had stopped learning at that, um, I'd probably still be flipping houses or, 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 or whatever. Um, but that is not, that was never my goal. That was never what I wanted to do. I wanted to build a dynasty. I wanted to build something that was intergenerational. 
And that is evident by the fact that all four of our kids work in our companies. We're teaching our grandkids now as they're coming up. Um, you know, they're still young, but they're, believe me, they hear it. And it's, it, it, it will resonate at some point with them as well. And we're building a family business. And that was always the goal. Um, and you can't do that with just pigeonholing yourself as a real estate investor. Interesting uh, brain shift for a lot of us. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about how to overcome massive failure with Mr. Tom Barry. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about the attitudes, the skills, the strategies to overcome a massive failure and to become a successful real estate investor with Mr. Tom Barry from Investor Loan Source, who is making appearances in Columbus and Cincinnati next week to talk about more of the more of the real estate investor part. How did I get how did I get all those houses and manage all of that? Uh, you can go to centralohiorea.com to get information about the Columbus meeting, cincinnatiorea.com for the one in Columbus. These are in-person meetings. So sorry, you folks who are listening from all over the country, but I'm sure if uh, your local group contacted Tom and said, hey, we want you to do the same thing, he might consider doing that. So go talk to your group leaders. Uh, so there's so much more I, I, I want to talk about, Tom, and we've we've got like, you know, another 10 minutes together. Let's go back to the idea of how to overcome the failure. You said something to me before the show, which was most people will do anything in their power to avoid failure. And that keeps them from success. Yeah. Tell me. I do believe that. Well, you know, I, I have a friend who is very risk adverse. He has had the same job for 25 years. Um, we are opposite in virtually every way, except we're lifelong friends. And when he tells people about me, he tells them that Tom's a gambler. Tom, Tom, <laughs> he, man, he's a gambler. He's a risk taker. That son of a gun, man, he, he just rolls them dice and, and he always comes up you know, on top. He just always, it's just amazing. And to him, that's true. But in reality, it's not true. I'm not a gambler. In fact, I just got back from Vegas last night. Um, my total uh, that I lost in Vegas was about 300 bucks. Uh, my limit was five and I didn't hit it. So I'm not a gambler. I, I you know, it's too hard to come by. Um, so I'm not a gambler at all. But what I am is a calculated risk taker. So I do an enormous amount of research before I jump into anything. You know, before we bought apartment complexes, I researched apartment complexes for two years. Before I bought a meat packaging plant, I I researched that particular industry for over a year and, and on and on. I'm not a gambler, but I am a calculated risk taker. And I calculate that risk with analysis. Not analysis that is forever, like a lot of people you'll meet at the Rios, right? You know, you see them for, you know, 15 years and you ask them what they're doing. Well, I'm still learning um, and I haven't made my first offer yet. Not that kind of analysis. Um, the analysis that I'm talking about is thought out analysis that would allow me to know whether this is an endeavor I want to get into. Is this a strategy I want to get into? Is it an asset class that I want to buy? And... 
I think so many people worry about failure so much, they just don't even bother doing the analysis. You know, how could I ever fail on a commercial property that I lose $235,000 on? I've done that. Uh, Radcliffe, Kentucky, mobile home park, lost $235,000 and was happy to lose that just to get out from under it. It was a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a pretty good success rate with deals, right? Real estate deals would have gone well. But I can sit here and tell you five or six that went horribly wrong to the tune of a lot of money. And my wife and I, and now my business partner, we look at it this way. The wins have to be more than the losses, and they have to be bigger than the losses. But there will, every once in a while, have, we will have a loss that will sneak in. And that is not a failure. That's part of the process. If, if that weren't part of the process, we wouldn't call it investing. Because if you look up the definition of investing, it says the possibility of gain or loss. And if we're not comfortable with that in real estate, then I say we're in the wrong place. Because real estate investing is just that, it is investing. And it has the potential for gain or, dare I say it, loss. And I think the sooner we become okay with that, then we can start looking at, okay, how do I keep my losses to a minimum? How big a loss can I afford at this point in my career? And we can make those investment decisions based on those parameters. Your friend who thinks you're a gambler is not seeing the amount of knowledge and research that is going into your quote gambles i i i I, I, i'm picturing him thinking that you are literally like oh look a meat packing plant roll the dice okay i'll take it yeah (laughs) right right and then and and then it works out for you and and it's like you're touched by god what's why is he so lucky (laughs) and the 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 reality is so all all new investors deal with a lot of fear Sure. About, and it's 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 about a lot of things, but I, I think a big chunk of it is what if I do this and I'm I'm worse at the end than I worse off at the end than I am at the beginning, and that 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 fear you can't completely make it go away because no matter how much you know, you, there's still the well I've got to deal with an actual human being and tell them that I can pay them less for their house than what they want. That's scary. I might get yelled at, right? But it's right. the it's the knowledge, yours and others, yours and the people that you can rely on who are in your community that actually mitigate the risk. It's not the deal that mitigates the risk. It's how much you know about the deal <laughs> that mitigates the risk. And that's that's a super important lesson right there. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you shared a that you still also you still sometimes do deals that don't make money because we all do. And we that, do, yes. <laughs> and that, and that, and that these are not, these are, these are not unanalyzed. They are deeply analyzed. But at some point you either say, nope, this isn't for me and move on with your life. You don't keep analyzing it. Or you say, you know what? The potential rewards way outweigh, weigh the potential risks here. And even if the worst case scenario comes to pass, eh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to like it, but I can deal with it. And you move on because that is a very important attitude to have as a real estate entrepreneur. And Tom, unfortunately, we are out of time. I am very appreciative that you came and shared today 
And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Columbus on Tuesday, centralohiorea.com, and in Cincinnati on Thursday, cincinnatiorea.com, for people who would like to grab a seat at that. And um, thanks very much for your time, Tom. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to seeing you in person. Me too. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>